Hello and welcome to Euros Fever on the Perfect Hattrick Podcast. I'm your host, Taron. Also with us today, German football expert Arvin Badel. Today we'll be breaking down the Euro 2020 opener between Italy and Turkey and also previewing another huge day of Euros football coming up later today. First up, we start at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, where Italy scored Turkey three goals to nil. Here's Insigne! All over! And Italy have been all over Turkey from the start. So yeah, Arvid, I want to get your overall thoughts on Italy. There's been a lot of hype over Italy at the start of the tournament. They're actually, I'd say not a dark horse, but kind of favourites to kind of win the whole thing. With Roberto mm-hmm. Mancini, a very good technical squad. So what did you find of Italy's tactics and their overall game today? Um, I'd say they'll be very pleased with the way they were so composed throughout the 90 minutes. Obviously, you know, we think about Turkey's stubborn defence, especially in the first half. I mean... To be honest, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know why they changed it, but regardless of that, I think Italy, with the way you know they set up, it was very composed. Chiellini, Bonucci, never really under any point of threat until you know the 90th minute where Chiellini had to make that splendid tackle. But you know, from ranging from Spinazzola to Jorginho to Locatelli to Berardi, all those players really, really came together, and you know they were they were excellent. It was a very composed performance. Yeah, and a really, really yeah, amazing performance, like you said. I mean, Turkey do have some very good talented players in the attack who we'll get into a little bit later, but I don't remember any instances where Italy were really under threat in that game. I mean, if there's one kind of player from that game that from Italy that you were looking at and thinking, wow, this guy really performed well today, off the top of my head, I can think of five, six, seven for me who I'll be watching for the rest of this tournament as, you know, fancy football. I'm going to be signing these guys up, you know, straight away, transfer them in. But yeah, one key player from this game, you say really, really caught the eye. For Italy. For Turkey. For Italy, for Italy. For Italy. Okay, I'd have to say, um, I'd expected Emerson to start this game, but he didn't. And, you know, Spinazzola came in and, you know, he had a terrific performance. Obviously, people will say, you know, I mean, you will say, for example, Jorginho for Chelsea. He was really good today, but from the overall aspect of, you know, being defensively solid to, you know, trying to break down that... it that Turkish defence, I think Spinatola really did well in, you know, composing himself and not letting Turkey have any attacks, you know, push, pushing up where Yilmaz would make a run off the centre-back. So I think he did that really, really well. And <clears throat> considering he's not, you know, really known as a starter for Italy, I think he wouldn't be one of the names that instantly pop up to your head and say, OK, he's the main starter. I think he did exceptionally well. Yeah, Spinazzola was a very, very good performer today. I mean, when you have two centre-backs who are, I say, kind of getting to the to the end of their career, I'd say Chiellini and, and Benucci, you need to be, I'd say, very quick. If you're going to go forward and help in the attack, you need to really sprint back quickly and help out with the defence. And, you know, Spinazzola did that very well. I've been watching him at Roma, Juventus for a few days. I'm not actually 100% sure it's Roma, I'm quite sure it is. But the way he's been playing in the, in the Italian league, I think he's he's really deserved his place. Emerson maybe. He's not been playing very well for Chelsea. He's not been starting in the Thomas Tuchel. So, yes, yeah, Spinazzola, maybe another performer that you can say was, was Domenico Berardi. I mean, a lot of people were transferring him in on the fancy football app before, you know, with Federico Chiesa being on the bench today. There's been a rumours of, a, of a, a little bickering going on at the training ground in the Italy camp. But Berardi today, I mean, he looked like Lamella, but Lamella who can actually play football. Like, he was so composed on the ball. He was cutting in well. He, I mean, the goal where he, he obviously caused his own goal, 
he sent the defender literally broke his ankles he sent him back to turkey i mean yeah I've, at the stadium olympico he sent him all the way back to i don't know the anturk stadium or something but you know that was beautiful from him i mean i didn't expect a lot of variety i've seen him at sassuolo i've seen him at, at italian national team i didn't think he was a very technical gifted player but this guy i think he suits a premier league football in my opinion he's a very technical gifted player and yeah very good performance by Berardi. but i mean yeah we've mentioned these great performances by the italian players it doesn't really take away the fact of how poor Turkey were today. I mean, there's a lot of, and I mean a lot of talk about Turkey for the tournament. Their squad is amazing. You know, a lot of dark horse players. You think of Sonchi, you think of Kabak, you think of Demirel, you think of Yazitsi, a title winner recently in Ligue 1. The Burke Yilmaz, you think of Kalanoglu, Yukushlu from West Brom. You think this is a very, very good team. But today, I mean, it really brings up the fact that experience is very, very crucial at the highest level. And what does to what extent do you agree with that? Um, no, I agree with that lots, but I think especially in the way I think the first half of Turkey wasn't really a problem in the sense that they got to they got to half time by nil nil, so it was still open. But then, you know, key went obviously when uh Cengiz Under came on, but there wasn't really any connection between all the players that I thought that, you know, Turkey could spark an attack here. I think especially in the first half. Burak Yilmaz, the amount of runs he made off of, you know, Chiellini and Benucci, and he was hardly getting picked out. I mean, Caraman, there, there was times where he just he just delayed the pass, and when he passed it, he was offside. So I don't think there was a real understanding, and, you know, the only way that I think Turkey would have scored is from a counter-attack. You know, sometimes I saw Chiellini popping up in the striking position, which I thought was incredible. Mm. But, um, yeah, I just think Chanonoli as well on the left-hand side, I think, for a guy like him to, for as influential as he can be on the game, I think he should have been probably shifted into centre. I think he might have had more impact on the game and, you know, especially his passing abilities, you know, his set-piece abilities, but they're able to pick out, you know, a league unwin and Burak Yilmaz. So I think Turkey, in a sense, that as a collective team, I've seen, we've seen it before with, you know, Wales. When you have these underdog stories, I think... The whole team has to come together, especially I think I saw it with Japan as well in the World Cup. The whole team has to come together. It's not of, you know, the fact that you have Borak Yomaz and Chanololu, these players that can, you know, that have had good seasons. But I think, especially, for example, you know, Karaman, Yokushlu, Tufan, Yazitsky, I just think all these all these players just didn't turn up for Turkey today in the sense that as a collective team, they just weren't good. Yeah, there was a clear disconnect, like you said, between the defence. Yeah, the defence before the, the unfortunate goal was very solid. So Unchu was getting mm. stuck in. Uh, Demirel was literally being like Chiellini, I mean, 10 years ago, like properly being a warrior. And then it got to the stage where they were just playing hopeless long balls up to Yilmaz. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you do that, I think West Ham was a prime example. They play up to Antonio, Bone comes to help out, Lingard comes to help out, Ford Niles comes to help out. But what I saw was Yilmaz there, Maybe Yazitsi making a late run once. Kanaloglu was always kind of being a deep line kind of playmaker at times. Yeah, I was just he hasn't really got the pace, has he? So Yeah, I mean there's there's not a lot of pace and when you have a transitional team, you need to have, I say, a focal point, which is Yomaz and a bit of pace to play off of them. They don't really have that. And just pointing back to that, I think especially from for example, Lil the season, Barack Yomaz has always played with Jonathan. David next to yeah, the guy who, who can feed off these second balls, to, you know, with his pace. So I think, again, especially going forward, Turkey was just absolutely poor. Shocking, shocking. Yeah, yeah. They really need to sort it out. I mean, Italy, there was not a lot of expectations for the Italy game. Maybe Wales and Switzerland, they'll get a win. But from this game I saw today, 
I was at least looking for something that made me think Turkey are going to go far. They're going to really make a push, break the barriers of their international woes. But today I just saw a team that was dejected, not a unit, very poorly coached. Compare that to Mancini's Italy, you know, there's the worlds apart. And yeah, mm. from what I saw today, I mean, I could be proven wrong in the next game. But all I see is a very, very poor unit that will not go far. But, you know, if if there was really one player who who stood out from Turkey, who would you go for, Arvin? I mean, course, the Kakir, goalkeeper, the goalkeeper, was yeah, really no. good. I mean, he's been linked I mean, with Chelsea he, in the past. I mean, I could have given it to Yilmaz if, you know, Karaman actually played the balls when he was onside. But then, yeah. again, you know, that's, you know, ifs, buts and maybes. Mm. You know, I do absolutes, you get what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. if, so buts or maybes. Kakir, 100% goal, you know, kept the scoreline down. That's all he can do, really. I mean, Kakir made that save from Spinat Zola that eventually came out to Mobile. And I mean, the defence, the way they're reacting, Sunchu. Yes, the thing that makes me laugh about Kagalos Sunchu, even at Leicester, this guy is always <laughs> appealing for offside. If you shoot from your own half and he goes in, Sunchu will have his hands up trying to appeal for something all the time. I don't really get Sunchu. I mean, it was a very good save from Kakir. He made a few crucial saves, very commanding of his area. He's a big presence, I think six foot five. Very, very good performance. I mean, when you think of the goalkeeper as your main player on the pitch, you just think, you know, Turkey needs to sort it out in the next game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Yazitsi really let me down. Uh, I expect a lot of them. I saw him play against Chelsea last season twice for Lille. Very, very poor. Kalanoglu, very, very poor again. I mean, we can't even think of any performers. Kushlu, again, very, very bad. I mean, the right back was good. I mean, I don't quite remember his name at the minute, but the right back from Turkey, if you can kind of bring that up, though he plays for Lille. Uh, I'm not quite sure of his name right now, but he's he actually played really well. I mean, apart from that, Turkey, very, very poor. Italy really looked like favourites to me at the minute. I mean, they have a very good coach, very, very good technical team, a very strong defence. I'm going to predict that Italy could go all the way from this one performance. I mean, it's very, very naive, but I think I think it could. But yeah, any any other thoughts on Turkey and Italy for their next few games? Um, Italy again. I don't. I don't want people to jump off their high horses and say, "Okay, you know, Italy are suddenly favourites." I do think it was a very good performance. You know, I did. I did see a lot of the um, composure that I thought Italy would bring. Like, like last year, for example, you know, Belgium, Italy. Everyone thought Belgium steamrolled them, and then Italy produced such a composed performance. I remember Jacarini scored that amazing goal. And yeah, Pella. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that that was good to watch. Well, probably because they had Conte anyway. But you know, mm. this again. It was composed, it was nice, it was fluid, and there wasn't really a point where Italy actually suffered. So I think, you know, Italy, they look good. They look good, I must say. They look good. Very, very nice football. Very sexy in the eye, I'd even add. You know, the, the passing, <laughs> the movement, the one-touch play. That, the that movement from your goal. That's, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. The oh. senior goal was beautiful. I mean, it, it kind of reminded me of career mode when you kind of had the ball, you're driving and the defender just gets drawn out by your yeah. player. You know, the mm. AI kind of mentality, then you just curl it in. I mean, yeah, very grim, I guess. But yeah, the very, very poor performance from Turkey. Excellent from Italy. Let's move straight on. Next up, we will talk about the Wales versus Switzerland game. So yeah, let's kind of discuss the Wales-Switzerland game. Preview a little bit for, for obviously, it's going to be on later today. I think 2pm UK time mm. uh, at Baku, the Olympic Stadium in Baku, where, I mean, there's a mm. lot of memories as a Chelsea fan at Arsenal, absolutely in the mud. But yeah, let's start talking about Wales. I think Wales really need to make a statement from this kind of group, this kind of game, they staff well. There's a lot of people, including the bookies, who have put Wales as bottom place in the group. Obviously, Switzerland looked like a very good unit. Turkey, <laughs> before, before mm. yesterday, it were kind of looking like a very strong team. 
But yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's it's looking not very good for Wales, but I feel like they need to make a big statement. So, do you kind of agree with that? Wales really need to go out of the books more and and really batter Switzerland. Um, well, to be honest, looking at their uh, looking at the two games they had against France, and I think it was against Albania. I don't think Robert Page actually knows his best team, you know, this best Yeah. Wales team, because I look at I look at the France game, and see Nico Williams got sent off. But then, you know, they didn't start Aaron Ramsey. And every game, every other game that I look at from every other national team, they've always started their top, top um, team one game. And then obviously they had their B team the next to kind of, you know, stabilise to, to kind of get, get grips of, you know, who's who's really up for this and who should be in the starting eleven. I, I don't really see that with Wales, to be honest. I think, you know, against France, they had a very mixed eleven. I mean, Conor Roberts, Morel... You know, Nico Williams again. Is he experienced enough? I don't know. There's a lot of questions um, with the, with this Wales team, and I think in comparison to last season as well, and especially I will mention this: they have no proper number nine, which I think could be could be damaging because I mean, apart from really uh, Tyler uh, Tyler Roberts, you know, who's only you know he's only he hasn't really played that much for Leeds. He's got one goal to assist this season, which I guess is not really, you know, Sam Brooks type of level that they had last last Euros or, you know, for How example, Robson Carney. yeah, surprise how Robson Carney. So I think, yeah, playing Harry Wilson up front like they did against France, I mean, it could, you know, it could be rotational. We could see some nice football there because I think Harry Wilson is really, you know, technically gifted. You know, you've got Roadrunner and Dan James, you know, ready salted crisps. And then you got, and then you got Gareth Bell. He's obviously, you know, he's world class on his day. So I think, you know, um, Joe Joe Roden could be key. I think, you know, Ethan Ampadu, Mepham. I'm oh, sorry, Mepham is awful. We won't talk about him. Gunter again, you know, he's been at the last Euros. You know, he knows what it's like. I think, you know, he's very experienced when it comes to the Euros. You know, he's done it before. Mm I think he can do it again. So yeah, a lot of. I don't think. Robert Page has got to grips with, you know, his best Wales team. So I think they will be quite disjointed. -hmm. yeah it's gonna be a very interesting game i mean if there's one kind of error that that wales kind of exploit in this team switzerland are very a very good unit they play a three at the back system very compact but i mean when ricardo rodriguez and, and vidma kind of go up they leave space well vedi akanji and shah can be exposed and one player who can kind of be a free roam player in that space is harry wilson He's been very good for Cardiff this season, whether it's in the championship. He's looked amazing at Bournemouth last season, if you remember. He did very well on his loan at Derby. He looks like a very, very good player, Harry Wilson. And he can maybe get ahead of maybe a Kanji, who's looked quite shaky. He can get ahead of Elvedi, who's had a very, very, very poor second half um, for Marco Rose, obviously was departing. So I think Harry Wilson could be very, very key in this game. I've seen him with his free kicks. He's a very dynamic young player who, who can drive plays, he can take plays on. Obviously, his technical ability is second to none. I think he's one of the best free kick takers of this tournament, in my opinion. He's a very good player. And I mean, if there's one other player in this Wells team who I can kind of name that could be key, it'd probably be um, Joe Roden. I mean, he's been Yeah. maybe not a key starter this season for Tottenham under under Ryan Mason, under Jose Mourinho. He's not looked like a key player, but you can see his star quality when he plays. He looks very good on the ball. He's Remember a very that game good reader against of the Chelsea? game. Yeah, I mean, that was a big game against Olivier Giroud, who's... Maybe, I mean, I think Abraham even. Abraham was in hot form at that kind of stage. That's when we were playing amazing football in the Lampard. Abraham was scoring goals left, right and centre. And Roden came and basically schooled Abraham. We had to take him off and bring on Olivier Giroud. And yeah, Roden just looks like a very good player. But he's very, he's rated very highly among Swiss, uh, among Welsh, Welsh journalists. 
uh, Welsh uh, personalities on Twitter. He's rated very, very highly. So yeah, Roden could be key in stopping Mbolo from getting into the game. Harris Seferovic, who's very, very good for Switzerland getting into the game. I mean, them two players, are, I mean, Gareth Bale's obvious, but Harry Wilson is one player to look out for the tournament. And obviously, Joe Roden could be a guy who people watch at this tournament and think, you know, the Real Madrid of Barcelona's could be watching him and maybe snap him off from Tottenham. So yeah, they're very good players. I mean, Switzerland, Arvin, is there any key players that you think for Switzerland that could be a nuisance to, to Wales? Well, I look at, um, obviously, Switzerland, they have a lot of quality, I think, especially the two midfielders, Xhaka and Zakari. I think, you know, Xhaka for Arsenal, I don't think, I don't think people noticed how actually important, how important he is for Arsenal. I think, you know, he makes them, he makes them tick in situations where obviously Arsenal, you know, they haven't been that good this season. But, you know, Xhaka, I think he has been quite composed. And I don't think he's had such a bad season. Again, with Zakari, you know, if you've got that physicality, you've got that pace. And then, um, but one player that I will say that um, is important, and I think I always watch him, and I think will he will he have a good game or will he have a bad game? And that is Harris Seferovic, and I and I watch him most of the time, and I think there's a lot of games where I see him. Uh, well, when I watch him, sometimes where he misses a lot of sitters, and then there's other games where I remember one time he scored like a hat trick or whatever in for Switzerland, and he, you know he was class in whatever game that was. Uh, I can't really remember. But yeah, I think I remember again, as well. I don't remember the yeah, exact game. I do but remember, yeah, remember scoring that, a hat yeah. trick. So I think, again, especially with Switzerland's chance creation, I do think they create a lot of chances. We know we see that against Lichtenstein. They won 7 0. And then, you know, obviously mm. against the United States, they play their strongest team and they won 2 1. So um, Switzerland, yeah, again, I have to highlight Harris Seferovic. I think Bro and Bolo, the season he's had at Gladbach, you know, it's been mix and match. When playing Turam injured, he hasn't really stepped up, stepped up to the level that I'd hoped he had for Gladbach. But again, you know, he's he's a same player. Same with Grant, um, sorry, Jernan Shakiri. You know, he always turns up for Switzerland. Always that key player that makes things happen. And yeah, yeah. But I think Harris Seferovic has to be that player that um, has to turn up really and has to take his chances. To add on to that, I mean, if you think about the game as a whole, um, where can Switzerland kind of expose Wales? Um, if there's any errors, I'd say Wales have a good defence. Nico Williams, you mentioned before, I don't think he will start. I think Connor Roberts playing right wing back for them. He's, I mean, yeah, he's been very good. Connor Roberts for um for for Swansea. So I think there's not many errors, but Fabian Scher could be very crucial in defending against Bale, who will potentially be left wing or uh, right wing. You mentioned how Wales is a focal point, but I reckon Kiefer Moore will start as as a number nine. For Wales, so Bale will be on the right. Fabian Scher will be defending against Gareth Bale, I think. And it could be really crucial. It could be Scher or Elvedi. Them two need to be on their games defending um, defending Gareth Bale. I mean, they can't let him come on uh, come on his left foot. They can't let him uh, defend. They can't really foul him to, to concede set pieces. He can score like, free kicks from anywhere. This guy is an absolute animal. So, yeah, Fabian um, Scher is probably another player. I would add something, and I think a lot of people have to um, come back to these two players. I think Stephen, uh, Stefan Zuber, 100%. I think he's a player that for Hoffenheim, when I've seen him, and uh, sometimes when he's played here, he does pose a lot of attacking threats that I see from, you know, especially, well, against the uh, United States, he came on and scored the winner. So I think I think he could be a key player. I, when I do watch him at Hoffenheim, when he comes on, sometimes he does get a goal or two. So I think he could be crucial. I think Robin Furler, especially last season with Atlanta on that run they went, he was key. And I think I think he started a couple of games there. And I think yeah. I saw him. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he scored, but I can't remember what game he scored. Uh, at, 
I'm pretty sure oh, he scored two goals against um, Valencia. That was it in the round of 16. I'd, I was really impressed by his performance then. And I think, you know, this season, obviously, with uh, Papu Gomez leaving, you know, he's got two goals, three assists in 34 games. So he started the majority of Atalanta's games. So I think he could be key. You know, he came on. But I think, you know, especially in that midfield area, again, with Sakari and Xhaka, you know, they provide a lot of defensive uh, covers for, you know, when the two fullbacks go forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting game, but yeah, I think we've covered that enough. So up next, we'll briefly touch on Denmark versus Finland. So yeah, the Parken Stadium in Copenhagen will be the venue for this game. Uh, it does look like a, a very set win for Denmark, in my opinion. Um, mm. Denmark, on paper, we've already seen it with Turkey last night that, yes, we might have a good team on paper, but, you know, will it kind of translate on the pitch? The midfield really strikes me of Pierre Mohoibier yeah. alongside Thomas Delaney, two very strong physical central midfielders. In front of them, Christian Eriksson, who could be that kind of flary uh, technical player in front of them. I mean, it all starts from the spine of the team. The, the centre-backs are very good. Simon Kjell, I think that's how you pronounce it, has had a very good that's season it. at AC Milan. Kajo, yeah, that's it. Andreas Christensen has had a very, very good second half of the season. And yeah, I think Denmark do have a very, very strong spine, which could be crucial to going all the way. How do you feel about this? Um, well, for my opinion, I think this should be a routine win for Denmark. I think um, they could, they, I could possibly label them as underdogs for um, the Euros. I think, especially with that midfield, I don't think people have mentioned this enough of Hoybjerg. You know, you got that holding player who's been decent for Tottenham at, you know, in spells. I think he's been pretty good. I think he was a bargain signing for Tottenham. Again, Thomas Delaney, who's who is at number eight, he's he'll get up and down any day. And then Christian Eriksen who can obviously, you know, he can make thing he can make things happen from out of nowhere. But um I feel like Denmark's attack lets them down a lot. I think Martin Brathway, I mean <laughs> we've seen this goal a couple of goals for Barcelona when when they made that panic signing. So I think, you know, he does take his chances. I think he's a pretty average striker. Yusuf Paulsen is very clumsy, but then again, you know, he took his chance really well, especially against Germany. I think they were very stubborn. You know, they looked that knockout team that would give away a lot of chances, but then, you know, be defensively solid to still be in the game. And that's what they showed against Germany. I think from Finland's point of view, I mean, to me, to me, they really look like this Icelandish team where they could just, you know, throw it yeah, in and then lucky goal. That's that's the sort of vibe that I'm getting for Finland. But in terms of, you know, the two games that they had from before, losing to Estonia, losing to Sweden, I mean, it's just, you know, there's not much there on the pitch. I mean, Timu Puki will obviously be the guy that everyone looks at, you know, to score goals or maybe Poyan Palo, who, well, plays in the Bundesliga, played for Bayern Leverkusen before. So I think... Um, yeah, in terms of Denmark, I think they could be underdogs. I think they should easily beat Finland. Mm, yeah, it's going to be... I think it looks like a routine win for Denmark. Mm. Um, yeah, Denmark do look like a very good underdog. Um, a dark horse even for the tournament. I think a lot of people are forgetting a striker for Denmark called Kasper Dolberg. A lot of people are saying Braithwaite is going to start. I think it's going to be Dolberg and Poulsen. Dolberg plays for Nice right now, I think. He's played mm. for Ajax. He's a very, very talented young striker. I think he could potentially start another good another good addition. I think the wing backs an area for Denmark that could be uh, a weakness, maybe. Apart from that, yeah, Finland for me are just Timo Puki FC. And I know yeah. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm a Finland expert. I think, yeah, Timo Puki, if he doesn't score, then Finland are gonna have a very difficult time in this tournament. Yeah, Iceland, uh Iceland comparisons could be a shout. I mean, hopefully England don't play Finland, you know what happened in Euro twenty sixteen. That was the most painful game I've ever watched in my life. Oh my god. But yeah, I think it's gonna be an interesting game, but 
yeah, this is going to be good to see how Denmark can adapt to all the hype they're getting at the minute. So yeah, let's move on to Belgium v Russia now. The last kind of game we're going to touch on before moving on and obviously coming back tomorrow morning, same time. I mean, my kind of point, main talking point about this game is there's no Kevin De Bruyne for Belgium. That could affect Lukaku's chance creation. That could affect, I mean, just the controlling and possession in general. But one key player who I feel that could kind of take his role could be Yuri Tielemans. Maybe not the same ability. He's an eight. He's very technical. I mean, you saw the goal in the FA Cup final. Very, very good player. What do you kind of think? Do you think Tielemans can replace um, this massive burden of De Bruyne and, you know, uh, emulate his great form at the end of the season? Well, um, well, that's a straight up no. I don't think anyone could ever uh, replace Kevin De Bruyne. So I think, um, I think Tielemans, you know, he has that quality, especially of an eight. You know, I think that obviously he can get up and down. And obviously with, um, you know, Timothy Castagna, I think, you know, playing on the right, Nasser Chadli on the left. I think he's got Dendonkin next to him. And I think I did see that against Croatia. That's, that's the side that they played. So I'm not too sure whether, you know, Right now, Belgium do look a team that I don't think that they're as quality. You know, when you look at obviously Aiden Hazard, I don't think he'll start that much this um, tournament because you know obviously we've seen from Madrid, he's not really been that good, and especially with Kevin De Bruyne out as well. But I do think again, you know, they still have their back line of Denier, Vertonghen, Alderweireld. But again, points back to Kevin De Bruyne situation. I do. I, they still have a lot of quality. I think, especially, for example, the season that Timothy Castagna has had for Leicester, I do think, you know, when he's when he's shown his qualities, he's been really good. Obviously, Nasser Chadli from the left. I do remember his uh, great goal against um, Japan. You know, Carrasco, Mertens, Lukaku in front of him, who are very capable of scoring goals. But then again, you know, none of them really seem to have the passing ability of Kevin De Bruyne so that could play a part but then obviously Eden Hazard could come off the bench but you know looking at the bench as well I mean talking Hazard they do have Eden there as well but will he play I'm not too sure Leandro Trossard who obviously he sent Diaz one game against <laughs> um, City so I think he could play a role Thomas Mernier again I don't think he'll start because he hasn't really had the influential season that you know especially Dortmund fans would have hoped he had so I think Castagna is that player but Again, looking at midfield, I think I don't know where Axel Witzel is. I think he's out. Yeah, he is injured. So their midfield does look a lot weaker than I would have thought. Obviously, Tiemans is still quality. Dendonka same, but I do think it could have been so much better. So that could be a potential weakness exploited. I'm not too sure yet, but um, yeah, that's Belgium really. Yeah, I think that kind of leads on to Russia a little bit now. Uh, it's Russia, yeah. <laughs> Just to double check, it is Russia. I mean. There's, there's one kind of weakness you mentioned as a spine in the midfield um, with, with Tielemans and um, and then Donka, two players who are good, but are they Euros winning quality? I'm not quite sure. If there's another area that I'd kind of talk about is maybe the defence. I mean, Denier is, is a good defender. He's been playing well for Lyon. But then you look at Toby Alderweireld. He's had a very poor season at Spurs. Doesn't look himself anymore. He's ageing. He looks like really not sharp on the ball. Um, Jan Vertonghen also is a player who... Honestly, has not looked amazing this season for, for Benfica. Uh, he just looks sluggish as usual, like 31 years of age, I believe he is now. Not really the mm. same. So, yeah, I think one player who could expose that is Denis Cheryshev, the CEO of major tournaments for Russia. Mm. I mean, when um, was Adam Jaguar got injured for Russia, I was thinking, who is this Denis Cheryshev guy? He turns up, scores like two goals against Saudi Arabia, 
dominates the whole game. Wow, this guy is... Two, two, no, he scored about four bangers. I remember, I think he scored some amazing goal against Croatia. Just did, took yeah. it on his left and banged into the top bin. Against so. Spain as well, I'm sure he scored. This guy, and maybe not Spain, but he's just... I mean, he's done nothing since the, since the World yeah. Cup. Generally, he joined Valencia. No, since, since his move from Real Madrid, he's basically... Into a, back in 2016, he's literally been non-existent till that point. Exactly. He's... I don't... I have not heard of him, but, you know, you never know what could happen at a major tournament. He could get, you know, that rush he gets from playing in knockout football. And he could really do Yavatongan. He can get in the half spaces. He can be a little bit sharper. He can get in the pockets. I mean, Yavatongan could maybe not close down quick enough. He could have another shot where he bangs it past Thibaut Courtois. I don't even know. But, yeah, I mean, Russia. I mean, Artem Zuba is another player who could be crucial for this game. Uh, yeah. To maybe rise above Vatongan and Alderweireld and just bang it and do a celebration there. The celebration he does to his manager. I don't even know the manager's called the, the captain celebration. But yeah, Russia are a good side, but you know they're not hosting anymore and they're going to have the same same motivation yeah, to do what they do. Just to point out, their defence and midfield looks a lot weaker than I remember last seeing in the World Cup as well. I think it's good to still have that. It's good to know that they still have Golovin and Juba in there. But from a, I will point actually one one player that I think could be good, um, Alexei Moranchuk, who's been uh, at Atlanta. Um, you mm. know, he came from this season from Locomotive, and he's been you know he's been decent enough you know replacing obviously Papu Gomez in that position. So I think. He could be, he could be potentially a player that could do something from points that we we wouldn't know about. So I think um, he would especially be good. But especially you know, behind them, there's not really much. And obviously, they've lost Ak and Thief from the last World Cup. Yeah, so I'm I'm yeah. not too sure about Russia in this World. Uh, sorry, Euros. Mm. So I think it could go either way. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult. I don't really know what's going to happen with Russia. It's going to be a difficult tournament. But yeah, we're going to kind of wrap things up now. I really hope you enjoyed the Euros fever. Have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow at the same time.